everybody who isn't quite getting to that next level or you're getting work, it's not just because of the skill consistency and the touch consistency, but it's the mental side of how do I beat this team? And when you get knocked out of tournaments early, you never discover having control of the match for a little bit and then feeling like it's sliding out of your hands and then trying to regain it. You never understand that mental side that you need to win at that level or at the next level. So just getting beat up, that's not going to work. That's not going to get you to the next level, especially in tournaments. You know, it's nice to be that sixth guy at a practice where like everybody else is an open player and you're the kind of mid, mid-range mid double-A player so that you start hearing their conversations, hearing what they're talking about. That is a big opportunity. But if we're talking about tournaments, you have to experience controlling a match, then controlling a tournament and controlling your body and your mind throughout the entire day. Hey, everybody. Welcome to your next installment of the Better Beach Podcast. We're getting things set up here, and today we are going to talk all about should you play above your level? I think this is a question that a lot of people run into when they're playing tournaments early on. You know, as, as a young man, we just wanted to get in right away and say, I'm an open player. I'm an open player. Whether or not we belonged there is uh, going to be part of this discussion and whether or not it was a good call. So I like this talk. I think it's an important conversation that a lot of players should have. And they need to have with themselves as well. And there are different answers for different people, but we're just going to discuss each part of that answer and when you should drop a level, when you should stay the same level, or when you should uh, bump up a little bit. But before we get to that, Ben, I want to hear what's, what's going on in your life. You moved into a new apartment. Yeah, well, currently moving. Had a good weekend. Luckily, my new landlord is... Very nice and allowed me to move some stuff in ahead of time. Official uh, start is tomorrow. So, okay. but yeah, man, uh, life's good. I'm feeling good on the court. My body's feeling healthy. I still have a lot of drive. And just the once I get past this little move, then I'll feel like I'll... Uh, I'll have a full head of steam moving forward. And um, yeah, I'm just excited. I think everything that's going on right now is really cool in my life, especially. And it seems like everything's starting to click as far as work, play, and my personal life as well. So yeah, life's life's pretty good today. Nice. No complaints. Nice, nice to hear that. Yeah. And we, uh, we get to go to New York this week. Going back to the old stomping grounds. The old stomping ground. You know, there's a there's this little facility called Endless Summer, and once or twice a year for I guess the last five, maybe six years, I've gotten to go back home, see some familiar faces, run a nice clinic in my hometown. It's a tiny facility. They've got two courts, and they've got about a foot and a half of space outside each sideline. But you know, they provide beach volleyball for the people who need it during the winter and love it. And uh, so. We get to go back to New York this weekend, and the, those clinics are sold out by far. You know, two courts is kind of kind of easy; they sold out quick. But uh, we'll get to work with some of the FDNY volleyball members, which I'm pumped about. There you go. My brother's on the FDNY team, and uh, I love getting to work with those guys. Yeah, I heard good stories about those guys. It's so cool to me. Normally, I would completely 
avoid New York during this month, especially during the winter. I mean, I know it's got some holiday cheer and if you can go around the holidays, it's beautiful. But February, March, maybe it's starting to get a little bit warmer, but these indoor facilities, it is amazing how many are popping up and just how cool it is, you know, because I got to experience it a couple years ago when I was still living in Virginia Beach. And it is just so nice to have a place to go during the winter when it's cold and still play beach volleyball, sand volleyball. But yeah, yeah, it's it's really cool. And I mean, any chance that we get to kind of mix going home and seeing our families and still working and spreading the game uh it's always it, it makes makes our job even cooler because yeah. we get to kind of kill two birds with one stone kind of thing three and get some training in <laughs> yeah there you go <laughs> the one clinic that has not sold out is for anybody who's listening right now in ohio at grand sands we're gonna be hanging out uh with john drake chaos chaos volley and that they have a massive facility so it'll be difficult to sell that out but i think we have to call it at the end of this week so that we can book our coach flights we got a lot of people who are waiting to hear if they if we need them and mm-hmm. i know it's going to be me it's going to be you it's going to be brandon or sorry you are brandon Joyner. it's That's gonna be me. Logan, logan weber and maybe ally and jm who are just camp favorites and clinic favorites which bring great energy especially from ally yeah, and I know last week, especially for our listeners today that are live, um, if you tried to go on there and sign up and it happened to say sold out, that was just our initial uh, what we needed it to reach for us to go. And we're a, a little a little slow on opening up to more spots, but there are spots available still. So if you're if you're one of those people that checked it out and it happened to say sold out for some reason, that's the reason, our fault, but we'd still love to have you, so... Hopefully you can head on over to the site. I think it's betteratbeach.com forward slash clinics, right? Mm -hmm. And then should just be able to scroll down and and find those full space or individual sessions, depending on what you're, what you're looking for. Yeah. You know, we, we always want to make sure that we run different kinds of clinics than I'd say most people, most companies. We want to make sure that our coach to athlete ratio stays small and that our athlete to court ratio stays small. We will not run these clinics where you have 20, 30 people on one court. It just doesn't make sense to us. Uh, we don't think it's fair uh, to the players. And we really want to dive in deep with each athlete. And that, that's where the fun happens. So for those of you who are ever considering signing up for a clinic, just know that that's, that's what we pride ourselves on is those small, those tight ratios so that we can give you lots of extra attention. Yeah, and uh, like I know you and I have spent many hours together going over our camp manuals and our so clinic many. manuals, and like, and that's done for a reason. You know, the reason we do that is because we have decided on every single minute of our clinics with what drills we should be doing, about how long they should be lasting, what focuses they are, and and after our clinics and camps, like I get a lot of people reaching out asking if I can send over the drills and manuals and stuff like that that we use and unfortunately i can't because we spent so much time building it and uh that's like one of our biggest prized possessions at this moment but it doesn't mean you can't record and come and have some of those ideas in your in your phone of you doing those drills and then you can use those on your practices moving forward yeah 
and we also have our practice plan companion that you can purchase. So exactly, uh, uh, a lot of our everything. practice plans are in there, right. and we, we might take out the coaching manual and just we don't want to give absolutely everything because we've worked really hard on developing a manual and a teaching system and a protocol for the coaches so that they can perform their best for the athletes. And we do have 50 practice plans waiting for you. We have a product inside of that. That's how to build a beach volleyball practice. So if you guys want to get your hands on 50 full to our practice plans, super easy, betterbeach.com forward slash practice plans. It also usually lives on our homepage. And you know what surprises me more than most of our courses and our training programs, that thing just keeps selling. People love those practice plans and they, they dive in and they've, they've got them all there. And the good part is that they come with video demonstrations. Mm -hmm. 20 of the two hour practice plans, 20 out of the 50 have full video demonstrations. So it's volleyball is particularly hard to look or read look at or read a drill and then try to implement it on court. So it's really nice that we've got all those videos set up. Yeah. yeah. Talking about going, I talked about my sister last time. This is one of the great uses for her as well as she does not play volleyball. Well, she didn't in high school, 13 aces in one game. I mean, that's, that's gotta be something, but I always ask her, Hey, can you understand what you're supposed to do in these drills? And if she can do it, then I have a lot of faith in everybody else. <laughs> So, all right, let's get into today's topic. Yeah. Should you play above your level? I've had, you know, from the start, I've always wanted to play the highest level. So I said, yeah, no matter what, this is, this is how, where I'm going to play. And I've got a number of stories that we'll share during this about when I was in competition and then how to train at a different level. But one story or thing that I read maybe that Jake Gibbs said, and you know, he's been our Olympian three, four times. He said that people need to learn how to win. And so many people that he sees, and he doesn't believe it's necessarily the right way, is they play at the highest level possible. And when they do, they get so used to losing midway through the day that the first time they even might be in a championship match, they're in no way prepared for that. They're either too exhausted, they haven't fueled correctly with uh, hydration and with eating the right way. They don't know how to close things out. And so he said, if you're going to start playing, just start by winning one tournament at each level. Like, at least start at the lowest possible level and win that. Go all the way through and then the next one and then the next one before you just decide to jump ahead levels. And I found a lot of merit in that, in understanding what a full day feels like. And uh, I think definitely more people should start embracing that idea. I'm not saying every time, you know, I'm not saying sit there and be a six foot seven former division one <laughs> indoor player and just crushing the B level so that you can take everybody's umbrellas and beach chairs. Uh, <laughs> But there should be a step-by-step -step process that you can take your, yourself through because too many players, I think, you have the option of where you want to sign up and nobody tells you that you can't sign up for an open tournament when you're really a, a lower level player, you're just starting out. So volleyball is kind of free in that way. And the only time where we're capping tournaments at this point is when you're trying to get onto the AVP and now there's a numbers cap to get in. But the, the rest of the country doesn't have that. And I don't know what's going on with that with international ball. But what do you think? Do you think that you should be 
always playing every tournament at the highest level possible. I think there's definitely a grace period. And then and then I also think that there's so many circumstances that come into play and, and like the level of the tournament. For me, I agree with you. If you're just coming out to the sand or coming out to the beach, whether you've played indoor or not, like obviously trying to figure out that initial starting point is the hardest. But I think unfortunately for your first one, it's okay to error low. You know, I, I think setting yourself up to if you're on the verge of being an A-level player or a double-A player and you sign up for the double-A being like, oh, I think I can do it, and there is an A division for mm-hmm. that tournament, um, it can be really, really hard to show up to a tournament for the first time, lose every single match, and then still have the drive to show up on Monday. But I do think that there are some times where it is okay to challenge yourself. You know, I, and this kind of, the only reason I say this is because when I was living in Virginia Beach, there were some tournaments where I would get frustrated when maybe like top level double A teams wouldn't sign up for an open tournament just because they wanted to win the double A, you know, and uh, I have these two guys in my mind. I love to death. They're my brothers. Their names are Pat and Kyle. I think they go by Pyle on Instagram. (laughs) Um, And they're phenomenal, (laughs) phenomenal human beings and really great volleyball players. But now they play in open tournaments every single time. So it was just a matter of time for them getting started. But there were a couple times the year before they transitioned to open where I thought that there were some tournaments that they could have played in based on the level of the tournament. You know, does that make any sense? So like in Virginia Beach, sometimes we do have, or I still call that place home. So there's a variety of level of tournaments. There are some tournaments that are just the local teams. Nobody from out of town. It's mostly Virginia Beach, maybe a couple North Carolina teams coming into town. And maybe there's eight teams signed up. You know, I think that that could be an opportunity where you kind of take a chance and you say, you know what, I'm going to play up the level because it's a lot of people from this area. I play against them in leagues a lot and, and I'm somewhat competitive. Am I expecting to win the tournament? No, but it's good practice for, for me to see this level of play. And then obviously in Virginia Beach, there are also these big money tournaments that they have. And I, I think those kind of pop up everywhere, but that's probably one you don't want to take a chance on and play because now you're getting teams from Florida, New Jersey, people are flying in or driving a big distance, Ohio, that are really high level, level players. And and now you're probably a double elimination tournament and you're setting yourself up to go 0 and 2 when you could have played double A and maybe won the whole thing. So mm-hmm. for me, it has a lot to do with like reading the situation and just trying to figure out where the benefit or the negativity comes from. Every now and then we see in these pockets and different neighborhoods, there are players who just win everything now they win every tournament there are a few guys specifically friends who come to mind bobby webb in salt lake city shane donahue in new jersey but these are the guys who are winning their top division so that's not sandbagging right that's that's not holding yourself down just so you can win and the choice for them is do they actually want to travel do they want to invest in tournaments like qualifiers or those regional big monies like brandon was saying and it's totally okay if you don't want to travel if you don't want to lose two or three days with your family and from work to go to that that's different than saying i'm not gonna play open so that i can sit here and win this double a tournament 
but we got to get back to the validity of how much push, how much challenge do I need to progress? And I've got a story from Long Beach in New York when I was just coming out to the beach and I was playing my high school volleyball coach and gym teacher, Kevin Colucci. Awesome guy, still coaching. He actually just started a new club uh, with the East End Volleyball Partnership. So he started a new beach club out in Long Island. And he's a fantastic coach, fantastic human. And we played and his shoulder was busted up and he just kind of let me hit hard. And having played in college, I was, my skill levels were a bit beyond most of Long Beach where I was playing. And I got to my first finals with him and we got spanked, like absolutely annihilated by Tim McNichol. This is going way back. Tim McNichol and your attention and they handled us and it wasn't even like they were really trying and i felt that i was able to feel how much more control they they had over the flow of the game over everywhere where they put the ball their skills and after getting waxed i was just i was a little upset but i was smiling and i said that's the level that i need to be at and then i told myself that's the level that I'm going to be at. You know, I wanted to have that control. So it was nice to experience getting worked so that I understood that's where I'm going to be, you know. But if you're getting, then you got to go back to the drawing board. After you get worked, you can't just keep playing that match and not understanding why you're losing. You need to experience it and then you need to look at your film, look at your video, talk to other players and say, why did that happen? Why do they have more control? Are they making different decisions than me? Are they more skillful? And a huge amount of players out there, they don't take the decision-making part into account. They all think it's this skill, this, oh, I just missed that one pass. Oh, my partner just set that one ball over the net. Good teams win because, yes, they have more control every touch, but they make better decisions over time. And if you're out there just in a slugfest, all you're doing is hitting shooting high lines, hitting, shooting high lines, and you're trying to serve as hard as you can. But there's no thought process going into how you're going to take control and then keep control of the match. Then you're sitting there playing checkers and the guys on the other side are playing chess. And they're beating you. You think it looks like effort, but they're beating you effortlessly. Right? So everybody who's losing isn't quite getting to that next level or you're getting worked. It's not just because of the skill consistency and the touch consistency, but it's the mental side of how do I beat this team? And when you get knocked out of tournaments early, you never discover having control of the match for a little bit and then feeling like it's sliding out of your hands and then trying to regain it. You never understand that mental side that you need to win at that level or at the next level. So just getting beat up, that's not going to work. That's not going to get you to the next level, especially in tournaments. You know, it's nice to be that sixth guy at a practice where like everybody else is an open player and you're the kind of mid, mid-range mid double A player so that you start hearing their conversations, hearing what they're talking about. That is a big opportunity. But if we're talking about tournaments, you have to experience controlling a match, then controlling a tournament and controlling your body and your mind throughout the entire day and it's not talked about enough because so many adults they just have the ability to sign up for whatever level they want you know something that i really like pottstown i know pottstown does it i think cbva does it as well with their automatic upgrading 
and yeah. that also limiting what you can do. The one thing that I, I am curious is I've the first year I played Pottstown, I played double A or whatever they had with Luke Maloney, who also played with us at, at Mason. We were both pretty skilled volleyball players. We played double A. We made it to the finals or semifinals of that tournament. And then the next year we showed up to Pottstown, we had to play open. We weren't allowed to sign up for the lower level. Got whooped. Like, <laughs> didn't didn't come out of pool. And this was a year later when we were in college still. So we were still thought we were just hot and ready to roll over some teams. Kids and, hot. <laughs> yeah, man. It was uh, very humbling, to say the least. But, you know, I, I really do like that idea. Although, I am kind of wondering if, like, if there can be... Do you think that once you reach that level you should have to stay there indefinitely or like let's say you sign you yeah. win a double a tournament you go to an open level tournament and you go o2 barbecue for three tournaments in a row are do you think there should be some kind of exception where you can go back down because personally i think that there should be you know mm. uh, winning one turn winning a tournament is pretty hard I would say almost winning one tournament and having to move up might be a little unfair just because it's like, man, I just got the sign of glory. I feel amazing. And now you're going to make, you're just taking that away from me. Yeah. And now for the rest of the summer, I have to just lose. You have those April, May tournaments. And it's mm -hmm. just the, the A, the double A, all the CBVA, all the California Beach Volleyball Association people talk about it. Like, well, yeah, it's an early season tournament. So every level is stacked. Like, oh, uh, an A player is playing a, a B level tournament. Like, of course, they don't belong there. Of course, they win. Mm -hmm. Or you have somebody who, you know, retired from the AVP three years ago. Right. You know, he, he hasn't played in a bit and he just wants to go out and have fun and play volleyball again. So he picks up some like high school kid or a buddy and you have to play against that person mm -hmm. in a B or an A tournament before he gets his next rating. Those are always fun. Those are always stacked. And I agree with you. Yeah, there's a chance where you just get this fluke tournament. And if it's a forced move up for the rest of the year, well, that's going to be tough on you. You know, you're going to lose, you're going to lose early and you, you might be out kicking your coverage there. So yeah, maybe two wins, but then every, my father-in-law says, every policy creates behavior. So then are you going to just get a situation where people get to the finals and then they just lose or they cramp on purpose just so that they can play long days of volleyball the rest of the summer? Hopefully you don't do that. Hopefully somebody is able to recognize that and stop it. But there has to be a situation where you can't win two, three, four tournaments in a row at one level and then never move up. I just don't think that's I don't think that's good for the sport, you know. And there shouldn't be open players unless you're playing, like I said, if you're playing with a friend who wants to play with you to have fun. If you're playing with your 12-year-old son or daughter mm -hmm. and you want to get in that, like, yeah, absolutely. But at that point, you have the control and you shouldn't be such a, a jerk and be that competitive because you should be there for your friend or for your son or right. your wife, whatever it is. And even if you are that, like, that's the whole term of being a sandbagger right is you're playing a level lower than you should and i i've played in tournaments like that where especially when i was in virginia beach and i would coach these middle school girls and like during the summer after i was done coaching them sometimes i would play like a co-ed tournament with with one of them and we wouldn't play open because it's a 15 year old girl who hasn't really done much but mm. i also understood where i was 
And I was not, I mean, I took it upon myself to make sure that we won the matches we should, and we lost the matches we should, you know, I just realized like, okay, I'm not going to take over this match and win it for us. I think that that's kind of, especially if you're one of those people, I'm not going to go up into a co-ed tournament in a B division and start jump serving. Like your game should mirror kind of similar to what the other courts look like. And if that means you don't jump, that means you don't jump. Something along those lines. But kind of backtracking a little bit, one thing that I really liked that I heard you say was actually talking about practice. I think that that is a really big benefit into leveling up in your tournaments because that alone will help you find better practice players. Yes. You know, it's it's crazy how even in Virginia Beach, like if you played in a double A tournament, I wasn't going to reach out to you for training practice. Because unfortunately, it, there was just a very obvious divide in what level of play you were. Not only level, but like physical. There might yeah. be some Greek athlete over there and you just, you never see him because he's 20 courts down. Exactly. Yeah. But even if you go O2, it's in your area. You have to remember that, especially outside of California, volleyball communities aren't very big, but we're starting to see a ramp up in training and which is really, really cool to see. But the only way that you'll get into those groups is by making yourself visible. So if you show up for a tournament, it's like, yeah, you might go O2. But that doesn't necessarily have to be a failure for you. That can be, okay, I'm going to play in this tournament so I can realize what the level of play is like. I can realize what skills I need to work on. And then at this same tournament, I'm going to go up to the best team from my hometown that's also in that tournament and ask how they're doing. Be like, hey, hi, how are you yeah. doing in this tournament? Like, I, if, if I win this next match, we might play each other. That kind of idea, because now at the end of the tournament, if you come up to me and say, hey, Brandon, I, I'm looking to get into some training. Training. If you guys are ever training and need an extra body, let me know. And especially if I'm in a small community, I am texting you the next day saying, hey, we're training at this time. I hope you can come. And then now that you're in that new group, now that's this whole question, mm -hmm. should you be playing your level up a level? Now you found your level. You know what level you are. And now there's not this question of going back and forth. I think that question happens a lot when you're not preparing to level up. There you, go. you know, you're just reminding yourself every weekend that you're the same player. You're a weekend warrior, which is great. Like, that's completely fine. But hopefully the people that are listening to this podcast, you know, and, and are interested in getting better, you eventually have a goal of playing at, and it doesn't have to be an open level, but you at least have a goal of maybe leveling up once. And uh, just that kind of idea, you feeling like you belong there and other people seeing that you belong there, that's that's a pretty big story as well. That's another thing that I can't overemphasize is going and inserting yourself into the conversations, the social situations, the getting somebody's phone number. If you don't have their phone number, you get them on Instagram and you have to put yourself out there. This is, there can be no harm in saying, setting your alarm for three times a week saying, hey, need any practice dummies this week? Need any practice dummies the next two days? And if you just keep sending that to, you know, two, three, four of the, of the best players of the people that you want to, be their practice dummy for a while. Serve for them, block for them, hit balls for them, listen to their conversations because then you're going to be at least seeing and experiencing what they are working on. 
And most people don't get that that chance. And I think a couple guys that, that did that really well uh, are Troy Field and Jeremy Casebeer. These guys went intentionally as practice dummies, as serving and blocking dummies for better teams. And they just hung around the court, hung around the court, hung around the court. And then all of a sudden, dominated every court in the U.S. <laughs> and that, that's not on accident. That's by design. So if you're if you're looking to level up, whether whether we're talking about sports, business, or the people you surround yourself with, you must insert yourself into those conversations. And then if you're talking about getting better at coaching, better getting better at, at business or anything, call somebody and say, hey, oh, what are you working on today? Oh, yeah. And then just ask why twice once they tell you what they're working on. You know, and and if you want to be in that profession, in that job, if you want to level up in that sport, say, is there anything that I can help with? I've got two hours. I've got three hours. I've got four hours. Or my time is completely yours because I'm 100% dedicated to this. And if people can start doing that, putting themselves just out there and saying, do you need a practice dummy? Not, can I practice with you? Can I practice with you is a way of framing it so that you're helping me. And that will be less likely to receive. When I can help you and I offer my services to you, then you say, oh, man, okay, yeah, he wants to help me. This is fine. And then whether they keep you as a practice dummy and just serving a thousand balls that practice, okay, then you learn some mental stuff. And at some point, maybe they'll just ask for a third or a fifth to jump in or, or if somebody gets tired, somebody has to leave early. But you got to insert yourself into that conversation when you are practicing, when you're trying to level up. So should you practice above your level? Yes. But remember, that's you trying to get it at the level. Just because you got a practice at that level does not mean you practice with Casey Patterson. And so everybody else is now all of a sudden below you just because you got accepted into a practice. That is mm -hmm. not, not, not how it works. <laughs> right. We've had that at camps. Uh, I play with open players all the time. You play with open players. <laughs> you are not an open player. You know, you need to show me some finishes before you can actually say something like that. Yeah. I'm doing beach tennis right now, uh, and I'm loving it. Absolutely loving it. I've got a, a history with tennis in my life, and this is 100% what I'm doing. And at my own shoulder, I got one of the better guys to like me. You know, <laughs> I just went there and played a game. I kind of outserved just based on power. I outserved some of the older guys. And then I went off to a court just to serve alone, and he saw that I was overpowering people but i had no control so he's like uh, he actually came over and he said hey if you don't want to go chasing those balls at 100 yards he goes i'll return them for you if you want and i said absolutely well so I, I served at this guy for probably half hour 40 minutes and then got in some conversations and then i just asked him three questions i didn't want to hammer him with questions and shower him like that but i just asked him questions like are you reacting or are you designing plays and he gave me good answers and then once i asked him all of a sudden all of the knowledge that he had in his head he just kept trying to pour it out boom 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 mm -hmm. and if i didn't ask a couple leading questions he just sat there and returned and, you know kept going so got his number oh hey man i'm so proud of you don't you don't you go making too many new friends i can't I, i'm starting to get jealous over here <laughs> and he said hey if you're getting out and you're playing just shoot me a text instead of that big group and i'll see if i can get you with some of the better players or there's somebody here and just being open to that asking the questions and opening the gate of knowledge with a question people when people are, are good at something they secretly or maybe obviously they want to share and show you how good they are by sharing their knowledge and most people think they want to hide on on 
keep all their secrets. Instead, they want that. They want to build their ego by saying like, hey, look how much I can help you. Look how much I know. Look how much I train. And so if you find the key that unlocks that damn phone, you're just going to get showered with knowledge from that point on. And stay open to that for as long as you possibly can. Uh, if you never ask though, and if you never ask how you can help them, it's not gonna work. I like that. I like the specific questions too, because that that really does show a lot of people that care, you mm -hmm. know? And especially in sport, I would say pretty much around the sport universe, whatever sport you're talking about, if you show someone that you care and you ask them a question, very, very unlikely are they just going to be like, get out of here, newbie. Yeah. You know, people do like sharing what they have. And especially in the world of beach volleyball, it is people want to share. They know what it's like. They've been there. They've been a part of this kind of experience themselves. And they realize what the volleyball community stands for and that alone will get you a lot of answers uh, brandon norwood just gave us a little shout out yeah no. what up, brandon i love that guy. no brandon you got to see if you can get us into fuds we're on the freaking wait list because paul list. paul's a slacker <laughs> um <laughs> So hopefully, hopefully we will see you at FUDS. So another thing that I, that just popped into my mind, especially when we're thinking about, should you be playing up? I think it goes back to kind of the initial phase of your season, kind of where we are right now. And it comes down to goal setting. You know, I, I think that that is a really big opportunity for you to figure out what your summer will look like. I know for me, when I first started playing, some of my goals were like, win a match in a double elimination tournament, you know, and I started off that small i kind of got thrown into the open level tournaments because of my indoor career and success so i never really played at the double a level but yeah i'm also just Helps, a, lar a larger human and on the east coast <laughs> not on the west coast i would have been yeah. playing a until last year but if i was at that level where i was coming in then i probably would have had a goal that was make a semi-final in an A tournament, make a win an A level tournament. And obviously there are some things that happen that might make you move up a level if you're if you're in one of those areas. But I also like we've been talking about challenging yourself and looking for those opportunities to challenge yourself, but that also can't really take away from your individual goals as well. You know, so if you're an A-level player and your goal is to win an A-level tournament and you're getting bullied into playing double A tournaments, but you still haven't accomplished that goal, that's another time where I think it's okay for you to look in the mirror and be like, you know what? This is more important for me. This is where a box that I need to check in order for me to say that I've accomplished what I what I set out to in my preseason. Obviously, there, there are certain things that happen where if you get asked by a, a better player to play in a tournament you're probably going to bail on some of those goals maybe but i think that goal setting too can kind of answer this question for you you know because yeah. most of the time if you understand where you're trying to get to then maybe in that same year you have a goal of saying i want to play in three open level tournaments and even if you haven't won that a level tournament it's okay to bail on it if you have the opportunity to earn your way into that open level tournament so i think that the goal setting and kind of understanding what you're trying to accomplish is also something that we need to look at something that i struggle with i set big goals and i just want to go out and reach them but i need people in my life who are able to break them into steps into small attainable steps so if your goal is win an open tournament let's see if we can break that into five new levels 
right? One step of the way. What's before winning one? It's going to be, all right, making the finals. What's going to be before that? Making semifinals. What's going to be before that? Breaking pool. So that at least you have this sense. And if you write it down somewhere and you just have a little checkbox next to it and you're just waiting to put that check on, then you're going to feel accomplished once you do it. And then you're going to know what the next steps are. And then even those steps can be breaking into broken into little tasks about what you need and what needs to level up. But when you have these big giant goals, you know, we see every, every what's your goal? You know, oh, I want to play for the Olympics. I'm going to be trouble. Yeah. Yeah, me too. <laughs> right. But like, what is the next thing that you haven't done yet that is going to do there, that is going to get you there? Uh, first, you got to be auto main draw. Like mm -hmm. you have to be auto main draw. So that first tournament where you like don't have to play any qualifiers. Yeah. Okay. Now we've reached that level. Now the next thing is just pick a seventh, a ninth, a seventh before you start going crazy. You can always have the picture of your grand goal and set those grand goals, but break them into steps, achievable steps so that you know that you're accomplishing something. And if you ever need help with seeing what statistics or skills need to level up to get you to the next level, that's why you got coaches. That's why, you know, you got our, our online programs, our online coaching, or just anybody who's willing to help you with a certain skill and say, all right, well, I got to hit 400. And that should be one of those attainable steps. We did this on the East Coast when we were talking about practicing with better players. And we got to a point where we couldn't, we had to travel in order to play against good players. Everybody who I was practicing with in Long Beach, I, my level at that point had surpassed that. And unless you're Tim Bomgren, I don't know how he does it, but <laughs> I, have, I have no idea. Come out and dominate. He does have a small crew of, of players. He, he really does. And him and, and his family have been studying the game for a while. But for us, you know, Shane Donahue and Chris Frazier were just crushing it in Jersey. Zahn was on his way up, as, as was Vaughn. You and Hudson were doing your thing down in Virginia Beach. And just, it was easy. And you intentionally split up to make sure that you had, like, some decent competition. Right. Which was crazy. <laughs> and, you know, Eric Lucas could come and win any of those tournaments from Maryland. And we had to make a call that says, are we wasting our time for the first seven hours every single Saturday? We're winning 21-12, 21-11 for literally seven hours to then finally play one real match that you're racing the sunset and you have to do one to 28. Like the least amount of volleyball that you're playing at that level, you're playing the smallest amount of volleyball at your level. Every other level you have, you can recover from your stupid mistakes. You know, you don't have to play on the edge. So we made the call and we, I got everybody on text and I said, guys, if we can travel once or twice a week and just go late at night, wake up early in the morning, get a, a full day practice with like one day off of work or mix up a match or somehow, then we're going to be so much better, but we're not doing it. We're not going to make the qualifiers. We're not going to make the main draw the way we're doing it by just beating up on people without challenging our level at a consistent rate. And we did that, and the next year, and the year after that, boom, everybody all of a sudden just started like going deep in qualifiers and making main draws. And that was because in practice, we treated our hours and our reps, our competitive reps, more importantly than we did winning. 
So that's kind of a reverse of what we're talking about here. In tournaments, we're talking about, you know, should you play up too much? Well, how much are you also going to play down just because it's cool to win? Some people like doing that. Some people say, you know what? I feel comfortable. It makes me feel good to go out, win a tournament every weekend, and then come home. And that's more power to you. But you should be forced to move up a level if you're just taking it from everybody else. And you should want that for yourself. You should want to test yourself a little bit. Yeah, and it's cool too because... I mean, especially with us, it created a, a little family, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, it's one of the groups that I, I mean, I considered all those guys to be some of my closest friends now, just from us seeking each other out and doing these trainings. And now it's become where we'll support each other in every single tournament. Doesn't matter if we're in the tournament or not. We always, we want to see those guys in the semis and finals. And when we don't, it's almost like a little upsetting. So it's, uh, it was really cool. And it's, it's also cool to see with just that little group that we made how many how many of us just from the overall drive that we had how many of us are still playing you know because that was 10 years ago and i would say just about every one of us maybe not i mean even hudson's still getting out there and throwing that big body around since division one men's coach now yeah he's yeah. just he's, he's got the volleyball right <laughs> usa beach juniors too yeah but it's cool it just it created a sense of just pride within our group and made us push to go further and once we had that it was it kind of the practices just handled themselves which was really really cool We got one of these questions from Nicole, and I do want to tackle it. So Nicole Ruji is asking on our live chat, biggest insecurity, which we have to try to battle that, is bogging down a better player's practice or play. As a better player, what goes through your head when lower player asks to practice with you, help you with practice? So thank you, Nicole, for that question, because those are two different things. When a lower level player asks to practice with you, that's different than help you with practice. There's a big, big, big difference in the way that you frame those two things. And I know that everybody only has a limited number of hours every week. You can only get out and volley so much. So how much do you get your own playing and how much do you decide to help somebody better, right? But if you go and you intern for Elon Musk, you know, and you're like his personal assistant, don't you think you're gonna learn a little bit more than if you were to just go and work on your own engineering project, and dive in all alone and figure it out and work it out with all of the classmates that you, <laughs> that you majored with in college? There's a different level that's happening there. So you have, to, you have to trade school for your current job, essentially. And if you ask to help, and then you just keep saying, hey, you know, do you want me to serve balls at you for a half hour today? If you want to come and you want to serve me and Brandon volleyballs in Hermosa Beach for a half hour, we accept 100% right now. Like, we will accept and you'll hear the conversations we have. And I don't want you bugging me through all of practice and saying, like, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? But when we're getting water and you ask three or four questions, like during the water break, yeah. Are you then trading up? Yes, because now you're trading your services and then you're getting the knowledge out of it. You're getting the knowledge that you need to get the rest of it. So don't ask to practice with them. Let that happen on its own. Ask to help them with practice. And then when you see them in a tournament, beat the hell out of them. And then as soon as you beat them or you test them in a couple of matches, then they're going to say, all right, it's okay for them to now start asking for some practices. Yeah, I, I, I think just to add a little bit there, I think it's just realizing what your responsibility is at that practice and what you're expecting. If you're the player that was asked to come, you know that you're at a lower level than these other players and you're just helping, then just know that that's what you're doing. 
you know, and try your best. Try as hard as you can. Don't be the laziest person in the gym. That's what gets you not invited back ever again. And then obviously, like Mark said, when you get a chance to ask questions, ask them, but don't overwhelm people, you know, but realize that you're there to help them. And so you have some value at that practice. And I've talked about this a couple of times before. When I first moved out here, I I was having a hard time getting into practice. And one of the things, once I started getting invited to higher, higher level practices is not only was I learning a lot, I knew that my gift was getting the ability to practice with these guys, but also I was like, you know what? I need to add something too. So I tried to be overly positive. I tried to encourage guys. Like if people were going for the ball and I was a part of the drill, I'd be like, yeah, great up. Nice job. Like continue that energy going. And then if you're one of the top players and you have other people there showing up to your practice that are helping you, understand that they're there to help you. You know, you complaining about their skill level is not a good thing for you. You know, it's you got to sit back and realize that you have someone who's a lower level that is at practice helping you more than likely you're not paying them there. I have stories about Virginia Beach where I would peer pressure people into coming to train with me. I'd offer them be like, hey, I'll buy you a six pack. Like we'll have a six pack after practice if you come. And when we're at practice, like even if someone misses serve and they're like, oh, my gosh, I'm sorry. I'd be like, no, man, hey, don't worry about it. Like, you're fine. You got this. That's you know, the worst thing that you can do. If, if you're that level, if you're that lower level player and then you show up with the attitude of you get so frustrated with yourself every time mm-hmm. you screw up, that'll happen because you're seeing that better player and you're like, oh my God, they're going to be disappointed in me. And oh my God, right. now I'm going to, now I'm going to lose this opportunity. You will lose it faster mm-hmm. when you have that opportunity of falling into yourself. So you have to create positivity without messing around. Right. And that is absolutely massive. That's how I was able to like manage to get a spot on Mason. My skill and my physicality wasn't there, but I was able to challenge people in a positive way. And even though I was losing, kind of like put a smile on my face and then still like, but I'm coming for you. And uh, coach liked that. And so he said, all right, well, you're not skilled enough to be here, but at least you make the culture more fun, more competitive. And if you can't compete, skillfully you have to find a way to bring a culture or an attitude that makes it enjoyable to be around you and if you pout and you get sassy and you get frustrated with yourself and then mad you're not going to come back to that court even if you're at the same level you're not going to come back to that court and we have guys that, that get all pouty during practice and we're like they're kind of a last resort for a phone call you know we'll still play with them they'll still beat us and we'll still beat them but there's some guys you just don't want to practice with because of that yeah it's a good i like that thanks for uh, bringing that up nicole i think that's probably one of the most common whenever we start talking about clicks and stuff like that in beach volleyball whenever you hear the word click it's not a good thing you know and i think that that's one way to kind of avoid that because we are a big family and and any chance that you can it's nice to try to get everyone involved tim mcbride asks i want to challenge myself and grow any success suggestions for how i could find someone who is a similar level who also wants to practice multiple times a week to improve. Here's my number one. It works for us. It has worked across the country and in different places. You start a WhatsApp group and you manually select the people before you put them into that WhatsApp group. And you don't say, hey, I want to play this many times a week. I want to play this many hours a week. You say, hey, I'm trying to get reps 
to practice, or I'm going to work on my hitting for an hour and a half tomorrow. No games. Specifically say no games. Just work reps, right? Work on or reps. Then you'll see who volunteers. Those are the people you put into that WhatsApp group. Those are the people that you put into a little Facebook group, right? And you keep admin control. <laughs> This is super important because people get kind of nice with it and then the, the group devolves into just a, a meetup and play group. But you have to find your specific people. Get a Facebook group of your own. Get a WhatsApp group of your own. WhatsApp's great because people can remove themselves or add themselves without creating a new group, right? Once you do that, then you have those people who want to rep. And when they get into the group, when you allow them into that WhatsApp group, you say, hey, you post that same message that I post because you're going to have one or two different connections than I do. And then if they say, yeah, they want to rep or they want to work on hitting or work on passing for an hour and a half, no games, they get added to the WhatsApp group. Uh, and you can slowly build it like that, and that will save you time, it will save you hours, and you will find your group. I promise you that it's worked over and over and over again. And Tim says, what if you're in a new city? My advice is the exact same, Tim. Introduce find, yourself. Find their Facebook group Yeah. and say every two or three days, hey, I'm going out to work on hitting high lines for 45 minutes this time to this time. Let me know if you want to join. You treat it like you're a coach and like you're running a class, but you're not running a class. You're just setting the opportunity for somebody to go, oh, I, I would actually love to hit high lines for 45 minutes. Yeah, and, and Tim, I don't know if you're around for Mark's talking about his beach tennis, but like that, that's it. It's just getting out there, introducing yourself, asking a couple questions, seeing if they have it. And if they don't have it, create it. And if you build it, they will come. Hey, you want to serve for a half hour? I'll return them. I'll share it yeah. to you. Like, well, that's it. And that's, I got an extra 45 minutes of receiving high level serves from this guy who is just like, yeah, uh, you know what? I kind of want to work on my slice. So uh, get over on the other side. Boom. And then he just kept pouring out his knowledge. So thankful for my new friend, Alex, my new beach tennis bud. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and then uh, hope you guys can do some of the same stuff. It's just offer yourself. Have a great attitude. Don't be sulky or pouty when you screw up just because you're nervous or you're upset that you think you're holding them back instead of falling within yourself. When you screw up, figure out the next best thing that you can do to assist that player, to build them, to make them feel good, to give them something better. And if you can't do it skillfully, that's fine. You just have to keep your attitude at a high level and build that culture and then just keep asking them what they need. Well, don't keep asking, but ask them what they need and then be positive and be easy to be around. Yep. Make everybody's day better. All right. All right. That was fun. We're going to practice against Latvia. Yeah, let's do it. Right. That's exciting. Yeah. Um, so, Ricard, Smoilov's, this is bad. We got to learn their names today. But Smoilov's little brother, I believe, and his partner, who are the up-and-coming Latvian team. We got to square off against them today, and it should be a nice little battle. We may or may not put it on our Facebook group if you want to check it out. I think we probably should. Report to practice. We'll put it on Bali Chat Facebook group if you want to check out how we practice against Latvia and DJ, Serbian national champion, and Logan Weber, 80-time AVP next winner. Gold, gold winner. Yeah. Practicing today. So if you guys want to check it out, uh, we will record that and try to put it on Facebook Live if we have enough batteries. Yeah. All right. As always, we'll see you on the sand.